you coaches who are all bitchy and moaning about PayPal taking your fee, get over that shit. This is a cost of doing business and you be happy that you can get paid and pay PayPal 3%. Get, I swear, if I see another person go, I'm going to have to charge you a PayPal convenience fee, I'm going to give them the double bird. <laughs> That's just stupid. Hello, welcome once again to the Coaching Life Podcast. Today's episode feels a little extra special to me, actually. When I asked today's guest if she would join me and be a guest on here and explained that I wanted people to come and talk about the coaching profession without filters or photoshopping, her immediate response verbatim was of course you know there's no filter here (laughs) (laughs) and that little sentence there describes her beautifully and instead of doing the normal usual mini bio that we might otherwise do at this stage I'll just say a little bit about who today's guest is for me she is the one person who I often suggest to people to go and check out whenever they talk to me about their own concerns of how they show up in the world and about their fears of whether they really can make any kind of living through their own creativity, through being their own authentic selves, freely expressing themselves. She lights up my Facebook feed every day with rich colour in both pictures and words. (laughs) And, well, she gives and shows it all. She shows her real life. So she really is the perfect guest for a show called The Coaching Life. And she's also one of the most creative people I've ever met. It was um, indeed through that creativity that we first met at a coaching intensive a little over three years ago. So I'm going to go first here. I am so fucking happy to have you as my guest on the show today, Alison Crow. Thank you. Welcome. I am so fucking happy to be here. And I can't believe you got to say fuck first. <laughs> well, I know that um, you're not all about coaching, cussing and unicorns and cards. So I know you've got quite a quite a a story perhaps to tell as to how you got here not here on this podcast I'm sure this won't be the the height of your coaching career but um yeah can you tell us a little bit how you got to become a professional coach let's start there let me see if I can give you the quick version I'm in February coming up in February it will be 11 years that I have been a coach and been being paid for being a coach and I, the year I was in real estate, I was a relatively new real estate agent. I had done phenomenally well as a new real estate agent. And then, um, I can't remember if it was my second or third year, but I fell in love with my husband. And so I quit selling real estate and started hanging out with him and my money dipped and I freaked out. What am I going to do? And and one of my past mentors called and asked me to be 
what was called a productivity coach at a very large real estate, the same real estate firm I had been with. And I was like, oh, okay. And I had actually, I had actually, my first day in real estate, I had talked with this woman at our office, um, very influential in my life. And she was like, oh, you need a coach. I had never heard of coaching. And so I hired, as a brand new agent, I hired a real estate coach. And so I kind of knew what that was. And and when I started this program, and I remember asking my boss, I was like, well, what do I do? And she goes, I don't know, make it up. And so I made <laughs> it up. And I kind of based what I did off of what I had, you know, what the coach had act, you know, had asked me and, and then that was in February. And then around October, I went to my first coach training. And so for four years, I was a coach in sales and real estate. So I was a coach and a trainer, we learned a lot about mindset. So I actually had a really good balance of sales of training, and then, you know, asking deep questions. And my panties got in a wad about my wrists were always being slapped. And at that time, I wasn't as free and colorful. I was totally an overachiever. I just wanted to be loved and approved of. My first husband had just up and left. And I, I really, looking back, I can see now how I just wanted to be approved of. I just want to be told I was okay. And I was actually the best productivity coach in a global company. I was so good that I ended up being the first coach of the productivity coaches for this number one real estate company in the world. But two of the leaders, man, they just did not, they did not I don't know, one of my friends called it, you outshine the masters. I don't know if that's it. So I have this like love hate relationship because these two women gave me opportunity and some of them I really learned from, but they would never give me that one thing that I wanted, which was Allison, thank you for making our company millions of dollars and being such an influence would never say that. And I'm a words of affirmation person. So eventually my spirit, I started getting into spiritual stuff and I just felt the first time I left for fear then the second and I went right back and the second time when they were like, why would you leave, a, a, you know, 100,000 agents at your beck and call? And I said, I'm not leaving you. I'm going towards me. And that was the real beginning. And so I left. I had a roster as an agent coach. I had a roster of 72 was the most I ever had at one time. And then as a coach coach, I had a roster of 47. And I left 47 paying clients. And I had one that had written in her contract that if she if I ever left, she went with me. So I left with that one client and I started again. And that's the beginning of the business that I have now. It's been through a couple of incarnations. And, and, and that journey was so pivotal, because in that world, I was just being who I thought I was supposed to be. And when I didn't have a boss or somebody who was in charge of my paycheck other than me slapping my wrist, I, you know, all of a sudden, I, I remember in that, in that organization, I had been on a panel of coaches. And at one point, I mentioned struggling with depression and having struggled with depression clinically since I was 24 years old, probably before that, but at 24, I was diagnosed. And that was the first time after that event, I had a line of 100 people wanting to talk to me. And most of them were other coaches. And they were saying me too, me too. Thank you for sharing. I didn't know I didn't know. And that was the first time I was like, Oh, Oh, I don't like people actually are blessed by the real story. And then a few weeks later, like I saw her in my office and she was like, I would never have said that. And I just, 
I remember that was one of the first times I just knew that it wasn't just the affection I got, but it was the light in these people's faces that that had made more of a difference than any amount of production. And so that was the beginning seed that was like, it is your job to be you. And it took me like a good three years to really peel off the filter. And so now the person that you see, I don't even know if I would call myself a coach. I mean, I guess technically that's what it is, but I'm, I just am so, I'm a slasher. I'm so many things. And I, I bring the slasher. And what I mean by slasher is there's a slash, you know, I'm a coach, I'm an artist, I'm a dog rescuer, I'm a crazy lady, I'm an oracle card reader, I'm a high priestess with a humongous fucking heart, I am a facilitator, I'm a teacher, I'm so many things. So, that's, you know, just getting rid of the shoulds and learning to truly be me. You know, I can sit here today approaching 11 years and say, I get paid to be me and give my light and permission to others to be them. And we hear that a lot in the coaching world, be you, be you. And, you know, I went through my phase of learning what that meant. And I, I took that to heart more than any Here's how you make clients. That's what my heart needed. And it, it made all the difference in the world. So I'm wondering, when you look at you know, the past 11 years, and in particular the start of that, so when you, when you left that corporation, just one paying client, was there any part of having been in that corporation that provided any kind of leg up? Or oh, was there totally. any other? So th there was a couple things. So first of all, I, a lot of my structures and the modalities of how I worked, right? I just, you know, I'm, I think I remember my first contracts look like their contracts did and my payment scales. Like I just kind of, the same kind of thing, I just moved it over. Meanwhile, I ha had also, and one of the things I still do to this day, and I learned from being in that company, is I usually have one foot in a community, and if I have one foot in a community I really love, I always stick another foot in another community because I'm real afraid of the cult-like mentality. Or afraid is not the right word. I'm real cognizant of the cult-like mentality. I'm real of how our beliefs can get so wrapped up, and, mm -hmm. and so, I had been in a group of 21 people who were learning online. This is in 2012, 11, 12, who were learning online business. Uh, I was actually one of the first people in that entire company on Facebook too. And so in my transition, I had, um, it's, I had made a referral when I was still a real estate agent. I had made a referral um, of three, someone, someone sent me a referral of three families through Facebook that I'd never met. And everybody was like, why are you on Facebook? Why are you on Facebook? And I was like, uh, $47,000. That's why I'm on Facebook. Because that was <laughs> the commissions in one month that I got from some lady from Tennessee who happened to be the second person on Facebook. And you know, right now we take that for granted, but I was an early adopter. And, and so I had, you know, I meet all my husbands online. I'm just, I'm a little computer techie. That's another slide right like I'm this little tech social media computer nerd and so that was a, a, a piece but then also I will say for the first few years there were people other people who left that company um, and when you leave that company it is never it's never amicable it is whether you leave by choice or they kick you out it is off with your heads and you're blackballed and 
And there's a lot of, if you leave the company, there's a lot of, and I'm not talking about as an agent, okay? So I actually think it's a great place to be an agent, but as a leadership person on staff, when you leave, there is a lot of shame, blame, and guilt, and you should be loyal to us. And, uh, you know, I've been told that people aren't supposed to follow me and be connected with me on Facebook, all kinds of malarkey. And so a lot of people, and and when people are leaving, there's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of for I wasn't, but a firsthand results of people being sued. And so there's a lot of fear or pressure. And so people would call me and say, how did you leave? How did you leave? Or they would call me years later and said, well, I finally leaving and I watched that you did it, you left and it's working. So I want to work with you. So that did give me a leg up in the sense of that I knew people all over the world. And many of my clients were from there. And it's, it's funny, I had a, a man that left that company especially the coaching company recently and he called and said I need a coach I said you don't need a coach you need a lawyer and I don't want to talk about that company and coaching anymore and so I pushed him away as a client I was like I just I'm I'm done with that the first few years it was perfect you know helping people because that's where I was in my story and I'm not in that story anymore and I don't want to dig it up I don't yeah I don't want to talk no we're not talking about real estate (laughs) yeah yeah thank you so tell us I want to come back to the intervening period, but tell us um, a bit about what your what your business looks like now. Because one thing we've spoke about um, is there's a lot of stuff that's shown on Facebook that's never quite what it appears, and I, you're you're certainly unique. There's uniqueness about you in that what we see is what we get really get that about you and um really successfully using facebook um as like the foundation for your business so, so tell us really what, what does your business look like um what does my business look like it's so funny that you asked that because right now like i guess looking at it from the outside people would go oh my god our business is crap um so i have two clients <laughs> Um, I have I have tried not to take one-on-one clients for the last year. I have two clients. I have one. I do these women's circles, and there's six to seven people in them. And I had one defect from the circle, and now so she's one-on-one. And I have one male client. So I take one-on-one clients with – I work with men one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And with my women, I really like them to work in a circle. And I – earlier this year, I – Usually two times a year. I don't know if I'll do it again, though. I teach a social media class called Share Your Heart, Show Your Work that it developed out of people saying, how do you do your business? And so, excuse me. So I, you know, kind of reverse engineered it and I created an outline and, and I teach in my crazy way, both the inner work and outer work of using social media to create a platform. And it's not like funnels and all this other stuff it's really a lot about the mindset and then there's a few how to so it's an intro class for people who think they can't be real or or are are afraid to be visible or i can't say that my mom is watching you know that kind of stuff (laughs) and that's been really fun and i realized you know i realized that share your heart show your work is more it, it really is that title says it all that's what i do i share my heart i show my work so in the beginning stages of facebook I'll get to that in a second. So the rest of my business that, and then like next year I'm doing a live event and, and I've done the live events before, but it's funny that you asked that because right now I have, I'm coming out of just a really, really difficult year where I pulled back 
from working as much as I could because I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue last year. I've never had a lack of energy and I was sleeping 18, 19 hours a day. Um, I, I, I just crashed. And so Perry, you know, all these physical things, I had a, a, a very, very close friend and mentor get killed. Um, in September of last year, I worked my ass. I had, you know, one of the biggest, you know, I usually work in these three months chunks and, and I just crashed by January. I had to, I had to fire clients. Like I had to fire three $12,000 group coaching clients and it was not pretty. And it was, you know, I felt a lot of shame around having felt that group. And one of those clients, I had been a four or five time client and I tried to maintain relationship and she seemed to understand, but we're completely not friends or, or talking anymore. Like there's a lot of loss last mm-hmm. year. And so I tried, I was like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to sustain my business financially? Cause I'm, my husband is a retired teacher and he brings in money, but I, we live based on my income. <laughs> You know, he's like, Alton, I don't care what you do as long as we spend less than we make. So if you don't want to work, that's fine. We just got to move. <laughs> and and so I put a lot of pressure on myself to maintain my standard of living. And so I, my, you know, I do art retreats at my house, intuitive art. There's so many, it's like whatever I feel like doing, I create. And right now I don't know what I feel like doing. So I don't have any offerings right now i'm not taking one-on-one clients it's like and 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 i know so this is the other part that's really important i know that it will drop in spiritually i know that this last year has been a dying year a part of me has to die so that something new can come and i've had to release you know if I can't take clients if I don't really want to take clients Mm -hmm. because it won't be good. And yet, you know, most of us go, well, I have to have a client. No, the money shows up another way. Hell, I went to the casino last week and it gave me (laughs) $1,200. So it's like like the money shows up in other ways miraculously. And the more I put faith in the whole, in spirit to support me, not my head to support me or not my strategy – or a goal sheet to support me, the more I'm supported and it clears that space for the new offerings, the new whatever is coming next. So it'll be interesting to see what is coming next because right now I'm not offering anything. <laughs> and I, I want to like really underline the point that you're making here. So this this isn't a setup, you know, I'm going to ask you a question to share. I already know the answer to this question. So you know, it's not a setup in that respect. But I want to invite you to share, really, of what, dis- despite what this last year has, has looked like and what the experience of the last year has been like for you, um, emotionally and energetically, what has it been like as far as the bottom line goes? I've just been me. I, I mean, I've just been me. I've shared. It was funny because uh, Stacy Nelson, as you know, is one of my best friends. And she's like, dude, you have a major scarcity vibe and you need to quit putting that out there. Like she'll kick my ass about it. And I was like, it's just where I am. And like, I know all the coachy stuff, but I was, that's the other thing. I was so over fucking coached. And so I, I was like, I don't want to be coached for the first time in 13 years. I haven't had a coach and I am in a training program 
uh, with somebody right now, but it doesn't, I, I'm not having regular coaching sessions. So I'm in a woman's circle, but I, uh, only four times a year. So I, I just was, I was just so fucking done. And I let people know because I don't have the capacity, uh, not capacity, I don't have the ability to filter that stuff anymore. I don't, I have retrained my brain to fuck the shoulds because the shoulds fucked me for so long. And these days through practice, through sloppy practice, through imperfect practice, my inner whisper wins almost every single fucking day. And so I just be me and, and it, it's been scary, but I'm over the tipping point of realizing that when I be me, so a client asked me yesterday, and I did a whole hour-long uh, Facebook Live show on it. But she asked me, she said, when you started fessing up, was her words, about not feeling the mojo around having clients, did clients drop off? No. I can't turn them away fast enough. It was like, go away. No, I don't want to work with you. Thank you, but I'm not working. I know 100 coaches. Who do you want? I'll hook you up. I, 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 I just... It's interesting. And the people that have come into my life like like a vacuum this last year, and a lot of people have left my life in the last year, but this whole new group of people are people who need permission to be a coach and be depressed. To have, I cannot tell you the women that have come out that are, are, are there's a woman that used to be a head of, like a VP of getting the, marketing the tablets, huge up in Microsoft, like top level Microsoft badass and she's she had adrenal fatigue and is a coach now and like just these amazing women there's another colleague it's funny her name just flipped up on my screen to ask me to be on her podcast she's amazing and she's had the same thing too so this you know this combination of all of our emotional stuff and then whatever happens to us women in the mid 40s when we start you know we can't run at Mach 10 with our hair on fire it it robs our not just our emotions but our adrenals start failing and so it's actually created a whole new world of people who just want to function and and it be okay to live life as best they can in the middle of the shitstorm because the shitstorm happens and to have kindness and grace and tenderness. And so actually my coaching, it's funny, you know, I don't do any hard ass coaching anymore. A lot of it is actually more soothing and just sitting and being with people and and as Thich Nhat Hanh says they're there you know sadness I see you I will not leave you and just sitting with people in in who they are right now and it gives them permission and confidence to go out and be themselves because they all know you know it's like I tell the realtors I don't want to talk about selling houses you know how to fucking sell a house it's about this inner stuff so um yeah I love that it's it Clearly, the theme here is is about helping people freely express themselves, who they are. Um, you remind me of a, a beautiful line that one of my mentors, Robert Holden, um, says, um, all we're really after is an experience of our own heart. Mm -hmm. And that feels so true in, in underlining all that you've said. I'm learning that I have two jobs my first job like purpose job okay my purpose is to remember who i capital am who i am my i amness that's my job to remember who i be 
And then I happen to have created this life and this work that my primary job, if you call it a coach, is to help people remember who they are and express it. So thank you for seeing that in me because that's actually what, I mean, it's taken me 11 years to learn how to describe it. What do you do? I remember who I am and I help people to remember who they are and then express that. And every, you know, so try everything changes. Dude, everything changes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> where are clients coming from? Where are they? How are they finding you? Facebook. Always Facebook. Um, I just, I, I Facebook is just where I am. And, and I have, I tend to, everything is public on Facebook. I tend to accept most friend requests as long as they're connected with a lot of people that I know. Um, I, you know, I used to write daily. I used to publish on a blog daily back in the real estate days, but Facebook killed the reader and the writer in me. I'll admit I don't read near, I used to read a couple of books, three or four books at a time. And now I read Facebook all the time. So I'm, you know, I have to really check in with that inner whisper if I've been on Facebook too much, but I just, it's such a neat place because it's, it's like a family reunion. It is the perfect place for an introvert to connect with people, to be in community with people, to meet people. You know, today, the day that we're recording this, I hope it's okay that I say this, yes, but is, is, is Yom Kippur. And I'm from Texas where there's like three Jewish people, okay? But it's Yom Kippur. I'm, um, one of my assistants is Jewish. And so when we were setting up this class, she was like, you can't do a class on Yom Kippur. And I was like, oh, like, cool. I never would have, like, little white Texas girl would never have thought that. And then, you know, we're in the middle of this in the United States, this big political bullshit. And and I am a very blue, <laughs> liberal, spiritual, open-hearted, bleeding heart capitalist, if that's a possibility, right? This progressive capitalist, this socialist capitalist, not a hardcore capitalist living in fucking Texas, okay? Where everybody's like a redneck Trump lover, and it's disgusting. And so... One of the things that Facebook has given me is it has given me experience and exposure, not just online, but as you know, we end up crossing the skies and meeting with each other and communing in person and and with people from all over the world, all over. I mean, I remember the place where you and I met the first time we went, there were all these polyamorous people, right? And I grew up with this little Baptist background and I was like, what the hell? You can't have sex with somebody who you're not your wife. <laughs> you know, I mean, but what I'm saying is it gives you not just exposure, but experience on a human level with people who are different from you. And it has been one of the biggest blessings. And, and so what's beautiful and, and slightly painful too is, you know, there's, there's all the people I went to high school with and college with and was in real estate with. And a lot of those people I end up having to either hide or block. It's, it's interesting, not from a petty place, but Facebook has allowed me, if I use the tool correctly, to surround myself with people who I love, who I love seeing. It's not just about what I put out, but I love what I get from my community it just happens to be primarily virtual and then we cross the sky and get together and i wouldn't trade that for fucking bunko down the street at, at all and i it's funny i was asked to come and speak at a local a, a girlfriend of mine runs the denton women's club now 
what I'm about to say is only the story I make up in my mind. It is not, I do not know reality. So let me confess that. But I have spoken on a stage in front of 10,000 people. I took off my clothes on a stage in front of 250 people last year. And I was terrified to go speak to 30 women from my local little podunk Texas town. I was terrified. I was thinking about it. Normally, I don't plan. I intuit everything. Nothing was coming. I'm sweating just now thinking of it because I was terrified, frankly, that I just wouldn't fit in. And, and that they would want to throw me out of town for, you know, I'm, I'm being very extreme. But and it was funny because I, I texted my girlfriend to call to confirm. And she goes, oh, I didn't. I thought I told you last Saturday night when we were drinking that um, it's been canceled due to a conflict. And I made up the story in my mind that the conflict was because somebody saw me on Facebook and said, she's a witch or she's not Christian or she's voting for Hillary. I mean, which none of that, Phil, is probably true. But that's what my mind did. Like my whole body is sweating, thinking about having to to be myself here, which I realize there's some smallness. Don't coach me. Nobody needs to coach me on that. I'm aware of it. But I'm just so thankful for my heterogeneous community in race, in religion, in thoughts and beliefs. And, and I'm pr pretty happy to kind of leave the old malarkey here. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I like to consider my Facebook wall really. It's like one big Thanksgiving dinner, actually. I kind mm -hmm. of expect similar manners, really. Let's all, you know, let's all tuck in and share and whatever, but um, we don't need anybody pooping at the table. Yes, exactly. Well, and I, I just, in the old days, you in the old days, you know, not that long ago, we, you know, and many people still do, you know, they go to B&I groups, or I remember when I first left the company, um, one of my advisors was like, oh, go down to the board of realtors and submit a couple classes, and you'll get clients immediately just from teaching classes. Or I worked at a co working group, and we could do free classes, <clears throat> excuse me, we could do lunch and learns and free classes and that way our work would get exposed. But online has both personally and professionally allowed me to create a platform and to enjoy other people's platforms. So it's this beautiful family reunion slash networking place that it, it is. It's just this beautiful melting pot of all kinds of things. And I can hide what I don't want to see and I can – you know, most of my Facebook wall is pretty curated these days and my feed is curated and I just, I, ad I adore it. I absolutely adore it. And, I, and now that we have live video, it makes it even better. I had, you asked where my clients come last year at this time. I was, I'm, I'm terrified of dancing. I can do so many things. I was all state MVP in basketball in Texas. And if you asked me to dance, like I just, you know, I had a boyfriend that I loved in eighth grade that said, you can't dance, you're too white. And, and that just, so I don't dance. So last year, before Facebook Live was out, like I was doing these little minute and 30 seconds of dancing, you know, I decided to do 100 days of dancing, I made it to day 13. But I did these little dancing things. And I have one client that's in one of my high end circles that she's like, Oh, I found you through the dancing. I saw the dancing <laughs> thing. 
when I came to your live event and I she's like I fell in love when you were doing it wasn't even a coachy thing you know so people are out there doing these webinars and I'm just being myself I think even one of the dancing things even my husband came in and he didn't know I was recording and he comes in behind me and I'm, I'm actually dancing to a song on YouTube that's trying to teach you to dance and he comes in and takes off his pants <laughs> so he's like in his undies and I put that shit on Facebook it was funny <laughs> Because I was noting that I I was noticing in me, well, I I, I kind of, I know how it is. I know what I see, how you show up on Facebook. But I'm sort of thinking, well, do we need to delve into here? What is it you're actually doing? You know, because how are people finding you? Because, Because I know, well, you're just showing who you are and sharing and, but, but, but this, this, perhaps go into a little bit of detail when you have a program you create something you have an idea because i loved that line Alison, when you know i was asking you well what does your business look like and you said basically you do whatever you want to do so yeah um if you come up with an idea how does that idea move to you know a circle or a group or whatever containing paying clients um well uh, i I did my first circle for coaches. I like it was called Coaching Circle, and it was very, you know, it had an outline and all that other stuff. I did two of those my first two years out, and they were mildly successful. And the first thing I did to get enrolled paying clients, I told this to a group of students last night. I was teaching them about pricing. We had a whole long conversation about pricing, and I told them that first time to get clients in, it was a nine-month program and I offered an 18-month payment plan so the payments were $225 for 18 months right like they had they could pay it full they could pay over the nine months or they could pay 18 months and I had two or three people sign up for that and pay you know I in the contract I said this is going to extend way past the class you know it was extreme but it it got six or seven people in there right and so um you know, I start getting these ideas. I I know that I like to work with six, seven people at a time, and I start talking about it before it's formed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, oh the and I the last four or five have been on animal medicine, except for the one that failed. It wasn't animal medicine, which was fabulous, which was fascinating actually. So the last one was dragonfly. It's like I know the dragonfly, so then I look up what does dragonfly animal medicine mean, and it means change and color and magic using your magic and so that's a big theme so the the first one was turtles the second one was condors i mean like the ugliest bird in the world and then i had a wild wolf woman like the the woman who run with the wolves and that one was crazy because that group was not real close together and my friend was like well yeah the lone wolf and they were they were lone wolves we would meet (laughs) together and all the other groups have been so friendly and chummy in between and these women just came together they did their thing they didn't talk in between and they came back it was just so I, I little pieces like that come in, and then I think about how many and where are we going to have a where are we going to have a retreat because we usually get together in person. Um, my pricing, it's so funny because uh, we had this conversation about pricing, and one of my clients who's been through three of those. Um, she, she and I actually, she was born in the same coaching school with that company with me, but she did three of those programs, and one day she was. 
uh, calling me and she was like, oh, I'm just so stressed out about pricing. How did you make up pricing for these events? I said, oh, sweetheart, I pulled it out of my ass. I just made up what felt good. And so I have based most of my pricing for those things. I usually take $3,000 down as a heavy payment that I like getting paid every single month. So it's $1,000 a month. And I have my PayPal set up where they can make a big chunk down and then it creates recurring payments. So I get both skin in the game and stability for the month, for the time of that program. And, you know, that's just kind of what works for me. It's all made up. There's no, I don't have a spreadsheet that tells me how much I'm going to net. And yes, PayPal takes a big fee. This little PSA here, you coaches who are all bitchy and moany about PayPal taking your fee, get over that shit. This is a cost of doing business and you be happy that you can get paid and pay PayPal 3%. Get, I swear, if I see another person go, I'm going to have to charge you a PayPal convenience fee. I'm going to give them the double bird. (laughs) That's just stupid. If you owned a pizza place, you would pay the credit card processing fees. You don't walk into Macy's or Bloomingdale's and they go, oh, you're going to use your credit card? We're going to have to add 3% to that. So coaches, stop it. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted to get into the details. (laughs) I I love that. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I've just done that. I I did say, but having said that, that, it does vary, actually. Like, internationally, between countries, I totally hear you. And you've got me rethinking it, but... It was with a, a, a client on the other side of the world, and it, actually PayPal charged me 6%, but I agree with you. So fucking what? But I, I asked the client to share it with me. Yeah. Who pays? Who gets paid? Do you know that this whole year I wanted to quit every single week? I've never I wanted to quit like once a month, maybe once a quarter, but I've never wanted to quit every single week. But I, I would think, here's what would stop me. What else could I do to earn between $175,000 and 250 before taxes? and work two hours a day and play on Facebook. Nothing. So we like we are really fortunate to be where we can, you truly can construct and create. And I'm not saying it's easy, it takes time, I work my ass off, but I love it. You can create something that no employer can give you. And there are ways, like it is so easy from anybody around the world to drop money into our bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And and 10 years ago, this didn't exist. And, and so be a business person. And a business person doesn't, if you want to put it back on your clients, then raise your fee, right? Is that, that's how a regular business does it. If Bloomingdale's doesn't want to pay the 3%, well, then they mark up the price 3%. They don't, I just, when somebody does that to me, it pay me through friends and family, not through the service. No, it's a fucking <laughs> service. Sorry if you don't want to be my service, because I can't deduct it if it goes through friends and family. Like, let's, so this is the other thing too, and I'm all pissy about it, but here's why I'm pissy about it. Because the in the coaching world, the energetics of money, Leroy says hi, the dog. In the coaching world, the energetics of money is fucked up. There is so much scarcity and there's so much non-enoughness. And if you want to know why you're not making money, you look at your money blocks. You want to you want to start making money, spend a year teaching money to people. And you, you've also touched on something here. So I'm going to sort of press you on this a little bit because I've, I've got an idea you've shared with me at least, an idea of like the bottom, what the bottom line, the net looks like. So... Um, I can see that there's a lot of investment going on in your business. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Can you tell so us a bit fun. about that? Yes, it's fun. It's cute. I my husband's always worried because I'm self-employed, and you know he's he had a paycheck. He's retired, been retired for two years now. He gets a paycheck, and he's always like, "You're not gonna, we're gonna be broke." And I just got my social security thing, which is fun because it shows my taxable earnings. And so I know that they can't see it, but like it shows my very first year worked 1990. I actually started working for five years before that under the table as a teenager, but it shows my total tax social security earnings. In 2008, I was with the company and that taxed earnings, so that net was $102,000. That's the only time I have netted over a hundred thousand dollars. Actually, that one says my Medicare, my Medicare earnings were 116. So I netted even more. But what's funny is I have made anywhere from, I think the first year as a productivity coach, I made like 79 and my first year out, I grossed 79. So those were the numbers beforehand. Then after that, it's always been anywhere between 150 to 250 thousand dollars. The last four years, it's been gross as 179 to 180. Like it's crazy within pennies. Uh, so I noticed this is the other thing when you have an accountant who or a bookkeeper who does your report, it's fascinating to learn your own personal cycles. So like you said, you cycle in two weeks, and I have learned my cycles. Like oh, I always you know, April is always, I spend, I'm usually a negative $2,000 in April because I spend a whole lot of money, but I also don't earn as much. And then there's certain months that I, you know, make 30 or $40,000. And so, yeah, I shared the other day, my, my bookkeeper has been in the hospital for a couple months. So I haven't seen my numbers. And I used to, when I, before I had a bookkeeper, I would do that stuff every Friday, just, just putting everything in. I always want to be above board with taxes. That's just somewhere I wanted to be energetically clean. So I get my, um, I get my, I get five statements from her. Like I get a PL, I get my year, you know, year to date, I get the monthly stuff. And then I also get a comparison from last year. And so I got through the end of August. Today is um, October. So, and she's still a little bit behind, but I got the, the two months, July and August reports. So I got 10 pieces of paper. And it was so funny when I look at the year over year, because last year I worked really hard and happy. And at the end of August, it was exactly $100,000 and however many pennies. Gross. And this last year that was so hard and I pulled way back. I've never had two people on my roster except for when I left and had one, right? Like I've always had seven people and a couple of programs going, but I have pulled so far back and I was amazed. I was like, are you kidding? This year, I'm 102,000 at the end of August gross. And my my net, this was what was fun too, because I didn't hire a coach this year. So my net was at like 80,000 at the end of August. That actually scared me a little bit because obviously I, I want a net, but I don't want a net, <laughs> right? Like the more you spend, the less you pay in taxes and taxes and I are still working out our energetics. Um, so it was like, Normally, if I make 150, 175, uh, what what 
the expenses, the cost of doing business, the, you know, those, I get to deduct those PayPal fees, those kinds of things. Um, the number is anywhere between 80 and last year it was 97 at the, you know, what the reportable number is on my, on my taxes. And, and the reason I talk about this stuff, I've told you, and, and sometimes it feels a little squirrely, but the reason I talk about this is because nobody's talking about it. Nobody talks about, now here's the other thing. And I am very proud of this here. I'm not proud of how much money I've made. I'm proud that I do it year after year after year after year. And that even if it is relatively the same, I have created a sustainable coaching practice. And that like I get my ego gets in there and is like, show me that you tell me you made a million dollars. I have a girlfriend who made a million dollars last year in her coaching practice. She quit that coaching practice and said it fucking killed me and I only netted 97 and I'm like yeah I worked two hours a week I netted 97 I made a hundred no I don't you, you spend more money I talked with another very successful coach that I've watched go from a $250,000 business to over a million dollar business and he's got more complication in his life and he said you know I'm making more but I'm spending a shit ton more and for me my values one of my values is ease and simplicity. And I love the prosperity, but do I really need to make a million dollars? Do I really need to next myself? And in the coaching world, there is so much fucking nexting. Next, 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 as if we're not enough now. And you guys, we are not broken. We're not. We are just fine. And, and, that's one of the other things. Maybe maybe I get a lot of people because I give them permission to not have a six-figure business or to not have a million-dollar business or that I'm not always pushing, well, what's next? What about enjoying where you are now? And I yeah. tell you what, you know what makes me happy? I'm not feeding kids in fucking Africa. But you know what I am doing? I crawl up in my bed every night with my husband. We got two big boxer dogs between us. I probably have my phone in his hand. He probably has his phone in his hand. We certainly could be having a lot more sex. I've usually got a glass of wine. Last night, we've got some new TV show that we're like, this is just really nice to be sitting. <laughs> like, we're just enjoying our life. Yeah, beautiful. And, and so much in the coaching world... Actually, and I, I have a lot of struggle with this right now because I'm like, I'm going to put myself out of business. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't need a coach. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with us. And what if we enjoyed here and now? And so, and, and I thought for sure I'd put myself out of business. But so, and I've been preaching that message for the last year is really helping people see that everything they have is wanting here and now and that they have the magic within them. They don't need to change. There's nothing to fix. And I'll be damned. I've so far as of the end of August, gross 2001 that I did last year, telling everybody how fucked up they were. So, <laughs> And you do so by relentlessly just showing up as you. Which is I'd, I'd love to the talk. The magnificence in that. Yeah, I love, I mean, uh, that's the other thing I would love to call out in your listeners is that not just the world needs to hear what you have to say. That is true. But you need to hear what you have to say. You are worthy of opening your mouth, 
of sharing, whether it's your music or sharing your art. You know, I just started painting in 2013 and, and art has taken over my coaching business. And you are worthy of journaling and writing and expressing and burping out the most random thoughts, not just for your audience, but to be your own audience. And there is something truly magical and transformative when you witness yourself. And yes, it, it, it creates a whole nother layer of power when you have an audience or a coaching circle witnessing you. My, my last coach that I worked with for three years finally realized all he has to do is invite me to speak and I'll talk for whatever and I come to the insights on my own. And, and this is what's so beautiful. One of my, my Microsoft client, you know, she's used to a deck, a PowerPoint deck with three points. And she's like, you mean I'm supposed to babble? And I was like, yeah, just babble. <laughs> well, I'm not ready to do a Facebook Live. I'm not ready to talk about this. And I said, I don't want you to be ready. Um, a babble? Yes, the brilliance comes through the babble. And I remember telling my, my past client, Charity's way outgrown me. She's amazing. She works with new coaches. But I told Charity, she came and spoke at my event. And I said, Charity, what do you, you, know, what do you want me to speak about? Whatever you want. Oh, no, I got to have something prepared. I said, you can have something prepared that is just fine with me, but I double dog dare you to not prepare and come and speak. And, and, and we have been trained that we have to have three points and we have to have this structure and this modality. And what I have learned is the magic is truly in the expression and, and yeah, I have a little, you know, I have a bunch of little, these little note cards sitting around. So I have one the other day and I, when I say something really good, cause every once in a while I do, I wrote, I am legendary. Like <laughs> I wrote it down, like I just remembering it. Right. Like, and I have this, I actually created a little system of note cards. Um, it's still not working. <laughs> I wish in a podcast you could see the craziness. Uh, no, I, I was just thinking we we'll should we should we'll release the video of this. Yeah. Oh, it's well. I, yeah, go for it. I'm in my pajamas. I don't have a bra on. I'm having my coffee. The dogs are barking. I don't. This is what's so funny, Phil. I care, but I don't care. Like right. part of me is like, oh, but then part of me is like, this is real life, right? Like this is. This is real life, the dogs barking, all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, when, when the clarity comes through, then I write it down and maybe that becomes a blog post or maybe that becomes an, a more official live stream or class or a topic. But I would never get to there through my brain. And when we're babbling, we're not using our brain, we're using our hearts. And the most brilliant wisdom comes out of my heart. And then I can use my brain as this tool to clean it up if I want to. But I have found that the sloppier I am, the more people love it. Because, and I, I, I don't want to say poor Marie Forleo. I am not bagging on Marie Forleo. I think she's amazing. I think she's beautiful. I Part of me is so jealous and envious of her set and her hair and her dresses and her She's very, she's real, she's lovely, she's smart as a whip, and she's produced. And you know what? I just can't handle the complexity of that shit. I, I don't want to. So I'm not saying that, that anybody that's produced is wrong. And I, I, I say poor because I always use her as an example. It's lovely. It is powerful. Many people have gotten something from it. And I don't want to work that hard, Phil. I don't want to work that hard. I'll just be honest. And so this is, it's just like saying, hey, there is another way, right? And somebody may say, I don't want to do it Alison Crow's way. Okay, perfect. What do you want to do? And then go out there and 
and noodle it around. And I'll tell you, last year, I was on another panel, and all the, they were asking all these coaches, successful coaches, what what made your coaching business? What made your coaching business? What made your coaching business? And my answer, after all these brilliant, wise things, was twenty five thousand hours. It's time on task. Mm-hmm. I was once a brand new coach figuring out how to, how do I, asking somebody, how do I do this? She goes, I don't know, make it up. And so I was making it up at the very beginning. Now I'm not making it up, but I, I'm still kind of, I am making it up, right? But I have this Mary Poppins bag of experience and, and what I have now that I didn't have at the beginning is a very tight and honed relationship with my intuition and with my spirit guides and, and so I combine all that high priestess magic with, I can fucking nail a spreadsheet if you need me to, but why, right? So, yeah. You remind me again, I, I can't remember what sequence I've recorded these, so this might even be in just the last episode, perhaps. But um, I was talking um, about the distinction really between being ready and being willing. It comes up time and time again. Like, ready, if I ask myself, am I ready? It's very much an intellectual thing and looking for all these prerequisites to be in place. I think, no, just screw ready. It's just an illusion. It's a mirage, you know, ready to mirage. Just be willing. Just be willing to go and do stuff and go and serve people, help people do your thing. Mm-hmm. My friend Aaron McHugh has, um, I've known them since college, he and his wife Leaf, and Aaron has a podcast called Work, Play, Live, or something like that. I can't, I'm sorry, Aaron, I can't remember it. But he shared a post yesterday, or not yesterday, but last week, and somewhere his wife Leaf taught him, like, even if you don't know, just turn your feet in that direction, right? Even if you can't take a step yet, just turn your feet in that direction. We're never ready. We're never, my sister taught me that with, you know, people always say, are you ready to have kids? And my sister and her husband waited seven years and their first child was a miscarriage very late. And their second child has a major disability. Their other two are perfectly abled, healthy children. But, you know, you're never ready. You're ready if everything works out. Yeah. But you're not ready if you have a disabled child. And that, that example, and it's not a pity, it's not a victim, but, you know, I was never ready to get divorced. I was never ready to not get the love and approval that I, I but life gives us exactly what we need, not what we deserve. None of us deserve the shit in life, but it gives us, life loves us. And it is so working on our behalf if we're willing to open our hearts and, and see that and keep taking steps forward and sometimes so this last year uh, you know I've taken many giant leaps in my career and this last year to function I could only take microscopic steps because my body could not move I, I just had to sleep and slowly my energy is coming back and my diet is rebalanced and my meds are working and I'm doing my inner work and so I can take a little I still have to take you know, I'm at a slow walking pace now. Yeah. And and yet, here's what's funny. I don't want to run. I don't want to run through the next 20 years of my life. I want to take a leisurely walk at my business. And so, you're right. We're never ready. We just have to be willing. And I love to jump. I, you know, let's jump off the fucking cliff and see what happens. <laughs> I, I just, if I go, I'm going to swing for a fucking home run. I ain't going for a single. That's just the way I am. So, even my tiny steps are like... Okay, I'm gonna take a tiny step, but I'm gonna crank this one over the feet, over the, you know, Beautiful. over the fence. You know, Allison, it's no surprise to me that my questions have, have just been out the window in our, <laughs> <laughs> in our conversation. 
but I want to honor, you know, honor our time, you know, our time and our listeners' yeah. time. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I, I'm sure there's loads more we could we could explore in a part two, perhaps sometime in the in the near future. But just summarize it for me: coaching. Mm. What's what's the purpose of your coaching? Coaching is the teacher that helps me remember who I am. It helps me remember my divinity, my magic, my that I'm not a muggle so that I can give that permission, that remembrance to not only my clients, but anybody I come in contact with to help us remember who we fucking are so that we can go live life from that place. That's what coaching is for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. How can people get in contact with you and, and find you? Facebook. <laughs> I do have a website. It's alisoncrow.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-C-R-O-W.com, like the bird. And then um, I'm Allison Crow on Facebook, and I do have a Facebook page. I'm working to kind of get things over there. I tried to just use my, you know, for all these years I've used my profile, and I did an experiment. And then I realized when you're running a page, it's only one way. You're not – I don't do one way. I mean, I'm, just, I'm sure some people love that, but I needed to be able to – work I needed to be able to do a two-way conversation I mean I love it to be all about me but not all about me <laughs> so Facebook Allison Crow like the bird I'm friends with Phil so you can find me through Phil as one of his friends but and I'll come include, play on yeah. Facebook yeah, yeah come, I'll, include all the, I'll include all the links of course as well yeah. in, in our notes but yeah Allison it's, of course it's been a pleasure it's it, it's it's I'm, I'm so privileged to be doing this and I'm so I'm so grateful to you not just for coming on this show but um yeah for just for doing what you do and like i say I, I i i don't know how many times i've done it it's come up in conversations and i say well you need to go and just check out what alison crow is doing <laughs> and that normally helps people <laughs> uh, thank you I, yeah that woman's crazy if she can do that then i can do this i love it be thank, crazy it's fun thank you very thank, much Alison. Thank, thank you, you for you. having me <laughs> oh wow uh, I think I needed a beer after recording this episode, actually. Did you feel how energetic and passionate Alison is about everything that she does, about the profession, about money? I love how passionate she is about that and about life. And it was so funny how she even kicked my ass there. That was just great. She said, I'm a slasher, a coach slash artist slash dog rescuer slash crazy lady card reader slash a high priestess with a crazy fucking heart, a facilitator, a teacher, getting rid of the shoulds and getting paid to be me. She just embraces all of it, all of herself. It's beautiful. Um, also very grateful for how um, honestly she spoke about her, how her old job provided her with you know, a leg up in the transition and, and how it provided some of her early clients. I mean, not many coaches are willing to admit to that, but as I often discuss with people looking to leave their existing corporate career to enter into coaching, your current job can support you rather than be a hindrance and provide opportunities and many lessons, both during a transition and immediately after. I also loved what Alan said, 
basically she she does whatever she wants to do so whatever she feels like doing she creates and at the times when she didn't feel like doing anything she wasn't creating anything knowing that it all works out i loved like how money just shows up in other ways for her it was like a visit to the casino and and amongst other things also worthy of note i thought was how she's solely cultivated her community on facebook and how she creates her own wall it really can work um she's completely embraced facebook as the integral part of her business she owns it all just simply owns it all and there was this piece towards the end where she says the world needs to hear what you have to say that's true but you also need to hear what you have to say that's so important and talking about how the brilliance comes through the babble you know when we're babbling we're not using our brains we're using our hearts and anybody that knows me knows i'm all about that so i hope what you've got from this podcast is this is not about being like allison it's about being like you and taking action turning your feet in the direction of your desires and taking action not waiting to be ready had so much fun recording these these first six episodes um, of the coaching life podcast um, if you've enjoyed them if you've got something from them please do head on over to itunes and leave a brief review it will help others find this podcast um, thank you very very much for listening i hope you've enjoyed these too go out and have fun much love to you all